Welcome to the Golden Age of Comic Books. Hey, Golden Age fans, it's August 29th, 2009, and this is the 61st installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. This is Bill Jordan, your host. I am very glad you're here. Well, it's been a while since I've done a Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. I have been, uh, of course, on the blog and uh, putting a lot of really great information about Golden Age comic books over there at goldenagecomics.org. But I thought I would go ahead and record another show about a Golden Age character that I haven't ever covered before, and that is the Golden Age Green Llama. Now, we've heard of the Green Lantern and the Green Hornet, but uh, the Green Llama, I think, is one of those characters who is not as well-known as some of the other green superheroes. So I thought I would dig into the books and some of the internet research that I do to come up with the stories that we cover here on the Golden Age of Comic Books. And the Green Llama had some interesting information out there that I was able to track down. So we're going to be talking about the Green Llama here in just a few minutes. But before we talk about the Green Llama, I wanted to make an announcement that I'm very excited about. And that is, once again, I have teamed up with uh, Asgard Press to write the introduction for the DC Vintage Superheroes calendar for 2010. This is another calendar very similar to the 2009 calendar. This one uh, is kind of special because it celebrates the 75th anniversary of DC Comics that will be celebrated next year. And uh, if you want to know all about the history of the, the first 75 years of DC Comics, well, go pick up one of these calendars, and you can read the introduction that I wrote, and it is entitled 75 Years of DC Comics. Now, this calendar, like last year, is a 16-month calendar, large format, printed on, on uh, archival-quality uh, thick stock, so you can pull these uh, large format covers out and frame them or put them up in your comic book room or wherever you might want to, uh, to uh, showcase them. Uh, just like last year, it features a variety of different DC covers from the Silver Age and Golden Age of comic books. You can go to the Asgard Press website and take a look at the covers that they're featuring this year on the calendar. One of my favorite covers of all time is on the front of the calendar. That's Detective Comics number 31 from September of 1939, featuring the grim specter of the Batman overlooking the castle of the monk. A really great and classic cover from Detective Comics. But you'll really enjoy this calendar. Not only did I pen the introduction, but I also pen the uh, descriptions of each of the covers that are included therein. Again, those are from the Silver Age and the Golden Age of DC Comics. I really think you'll like this calendar this year. For those of you who are interested uh, in being green, this calendar is printed on 100% recycled paper. And it is printed with soy-based inks, so it is very environmentally friendly. So check it out at the Asgard Press website. Again, that's asgardpress.com. Now, this year, Asgard has outdone themselves because not only have they done the vintage DC Comics calendar, they have also teamed up with Marvel Comics and done a vintage Marvel Comics calendar, another 16-month calendar running from September of 2009 through December of 2010, just like the DC cal uh, calendar does. It also features the large format uh, covers that can be removed. They're perforated and framed just like the DC calendar. There are some awesome covers here from the Silver Age of Marvel Comics, uh, Iron Man and Spider-Man and Captain America, the Hulk, 
Daredevil, The Silver Surfer, Thor, and many, many others. So check that out on their website as well. Now, the really cool thing is if you want to buy one of these calendars or both of these calendars, you can go to the Asgard Press website. The calendars have a cover price of $18.95 US, but if you use the promo code Golden Age Comics, that's all one word, Golden Age Comics, you'll get a 10% discount on what you purchase from the Asgard Press website. Not just on one calendar, but you can buy as many as you want. Purchase a bunch for those fans of yours of Marvel and DC. They're great for gifts for the Christmas uh, gift-giving season or for birthdays or whatever the case may be. But you'll get that 10% discount on these calendars if you use the promo code Golden Age Comics. Uh, I've done an announcement already on the blog at goldenagecomics.org. You can find uh, some of the images from the calendars there and also, again, a description of the promo code Golden Age Comics. Now, that promo code will not only work to get you the 10% discount from DC, from the calendar for the DC Comics and the Marvel Comics calendar, it will also provide you a discount on any product that Asgard features on their website. They have some really fantastic sports, college sports-themed calendars that feature the covers of college football programs from the early 1900s all the way up into the 60s and the 70s. So if you're a fan of a particular university a football team, check those out. You'll probably find one of your teams there. They make great gifts as well. So again, if you're interested in uh, any of those products, but particularly the DC Comics calendar or the Marvel Comics calendar, and by the way, they've also done a Mad Magazine calendar for the second year. You can use that promo code Golden Age Comics and get your 10% discount. So check them out. They are really, really fantastic. One of the favorite comics-themed products I've seen in a very, very long time, and I think you really love them. All right, well, let's talk about the green llama who appeared back in the golden age of comic books. Now, like a lot of characters, the green llama has his roots in the pulps. In fact, the golden age of comic books probably has its roots in the pulps. If you've read a lot of the books out there that have been written over the years, I think it's pretty clear that the artists and writers in the early days of the golden age of comic books had certainly been influenced, at least in part, by the pulps that they had read that had been published up to that point for many, many years. And I think there was certainly a crossover between the pulp artists and writers, those that, that drew the covers of the pulps and those that wrote the stories in the pulps into the production of comic books in the golden age of comics. So the Green Llama was really no different. In fact, he had first appeared in the short novel called The Green Llama. It was a pulp magazine that had its debut in April of 1940. Uh, that was actually um, uh, in a pulp magazine called Double Detective, and it was written by a gentleman named Kendall Foster Crossan, who uh, wrote under the name Richard Foster, and he actually continued writing the pulps and the comic stories as uh, the character appeared in comic books. Now, the character in the pulps was, as you can imagine, thinking of someone calling himself the Green Llama. He was a spiritual uh, superhero. He had powers that he had, had acquired uh, as he traveled through Asia, and he fancied himself as a mystical llama and had mystical powers. And the character that appeared in the pulps and in the early comic book appearances used those powers to fight crime. 
Now, later on, as we'll discuss in a little while, a different Green Llama character appeared in a different magazine, different comic book magazine. But the early Green Llama really was uh, a llama. He wore a uh, a robe with a hood like you would expect a mystical monk or llama would wear. And he used those powers, those mystical, magical powers to fight crime, very much like other magical characters that we have seen throughout the golden age of comic books. Now, the character appeared for the very first time in the golden age, starting in the pages of Prize Comics number 7. That was the September 1940 issue of that particular magazine that had made its debut in March of 1940, published by Prize Publications. Now, that magazine went on all the way through issue number 68, and then it was converted over into a Western-themed comic called Prize Comics Western, which ran all the way through issue, I believe, number uh, 119, and that was in the uh, November-December 1956 uh, issue number 119, and that magazine folded at that time. So the magazine in its two different titles went on uh, throughout almost the entirety of the Golden Age of Comics and really ended right at the beginning of the Silver Age of comic books. Now, the Green Llama appeared, as I said, in number seven. What was interesting about number seven of Prize Comics was not only was it the first appearance of the Green Llama in comic books, but it was also the first appearance of the Frankenstein character as written and drawn by Dick Briefer. I covered that character at some length uh, a while back in the Golden Age of Comic Books. You'll be able to find that on the blog at goldenagecomics.org. What's interesting, though, is as time went by and the Green Llama appeared in the pages of Prize Comics, ultimately he and the other uh, characters who were most notable in that such as the Black Owl and Dr. Frost, teamed up in issue number 24 of Prize Comics to actually battle and ultimately defeat Dick Briefer's Frankenstein. And I'll have the last panel of that story where they have finally defeated Frankenstein on the blog. So go and check that out. It's really uh, kind of a cool image with the characters who were the most popular in Prize Comics having defeated the evil at that time, Frankenstein. And as I mentioned when I discussed Frankenstein previously, he later on became a funny character and then went back to being a very evil character. But again, go listen to the Frankenstein podcast and you'll learn all about the Golden Age Frankenstein as written and drawn by the great Dick Briefer. Now, the Green Llama continued in the pages of Prize Comics for a number of years. He actually appeared in 27 separate issues of Prize Comics, and ultimately his story, his title, was canceled. Now, he was drawn by the great Mac Rayboy, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who was also most notable for his work on Captain Marvel Jr., who we have also previously discussed. Really great artist and uh, very, very great renditions of this particular character, the Green Llama. Now, as I mentioned, the Green Llama used a lot of different mystical powers to fight crime, but he never really exhibited in the pages of Prize Comics those traditional superhero powers that we might associate with some of the powerful characters of the day, such as Superman and others. Well, that all changed in 1944 when the Green Llama obtained his very own title. 
This title was published by Spark Publications, but Crossland continued as the editor of the feature and the writer of the feature, and Ray Boy continued as the artist on the feature in Spark Publications. Now, it was different from the Green Llama that we saw in the pages of Prize Comics. We now see a very new Green Llama character who is wearing a traditional superhero costume or uniform uh, with uh, the skin-tight green outfit with the uh, green cape and the green hood. And his powers have certainly been changed somewhat. He now flies through the air like Superman. He can now deflect bullets off of his chest like Superman. He has super strength very similar to many superheroes who emulated Superman in the golden age of comic books. Uh, His mystical powers are still intact in that he obtains his superpowers from a magical phrase that he utters to become the Green Llama. Now, before I tell you what the magical phrase is, let's explore a little bit about the background of the character who is the Green Llama in his alter ego. And we'll learn in the pages of Green Llama number one, again, that's to Spark Publications uh, magazine, that the Green Llama is one gentleman who is known as Jethro Dumont. Now, Dumont, like so many superheroes of the golden age of comic books, is a rich playboy. And he is independently wealthy, so he can run around and do his superhero gig without worrying about having to go to a job and earn a living like so many of them did. He um, has a servant who uh, tags along with him. He is a Middle Eastern man, uh, or an Asian man, I should say, who uh, came with him back from his Asian adventures and training. And that is a gentleman named Sarong who follows him on many of his adventures in the pages of the Green Llama comic book. Now, the story is that Dumont left America and went traveling to Asia to learn the mystical secrets that would ultimately allow him to become the Green Lama. And he actually was gone for about 10 years. Sounds very similar to the origin of the Batman, doesn't it? And as the Green Lama returns in the pages of Green Lama Comics number 1, we see he and his servant on the ship returning to the port of New York. And he states that he is going to come back and not necessarily operate as a superhero, but he wants to teach Americans about what he's learned in his studies uh, as a llama. He wants to teach them the peaceful ideas of llamaism, as he puts it in the first page of the story. And as he and his servant are disembarking the ship from their travels abroad, some thugs drive up in an automobile and open fire on an individual who they have been tracking down to assassinate. And tragically, an errant bullet from the gun strikes and kills a young girl who happens to be a bystander. And the Green Llama ponders what he must do in order to, to spread the word of Llamaism. Does he really want to do that or should he, given what violence he has just seen, fight crime? Well, he decides, given all of this, that he is, in fact, going to fight crime as the Green Llama. And then we learn in the story how he becomes the Green Llama. And he utters a magical phrase that he learned high in the mountains of far-off Tibet. And the phrase is, Om Mani Padme Hum. 
and I'll spell that for you, just so you'll get it just right. That's O-M-M-A-N-I-P-A-D-M-E-H-U-M. And whenever he whispers or says that phrase, he is magically transformed immediately into the Green Llama with the green tight outfit with the hood and the cape and all of his superpowers are then immediately bestowed upon him. Interestingly, when he utters the phrase, Om Mani Padme Hum, we are shown a little panel of a castle high up top or a monastery high atop a mountain in Tibet, and a strange language is repeated. It's echoed from that monastery back to Dumont, so he becomes the Green Lama. And in the first issue of The Green Lama from Spark Publications, that seems to end the first story. However, it is continued in a second part, and we see the Green Lama go after a number of crooks who have uh, been escaping to a ship docked off of the coast of the United States. They're forming what they're calling a crime navy, and they're going to organize criminals and become an armed force to conduct criminal activities in the United States. Well, of course, the Green Lama finds them, and uh, he is actually abducted and and, um, uh, imprisoned by them, but it turns out he is not completely subdued. He wants to find out what they're up to, so he fakes being subdued. He ultimately breaks his bonds, captures all of the crooks, tows their ship into the port, and it turns out that one of the crooks on the ship was actually the gunman who shot and killed the poor little girl. And so Green Lama brings that criminal to justice as well. Now, the Green Lama's own magazine only ran for eight issues. And, in fact, the eighth issue contains a reprint of one of the stories from one of the previous issues. But the series began with issue number one that we've just been discussing. That was the December 1944 issue and concluded with issue number eight, that was the March 1946 issue. So it ran for a couple of years. Now, as I mentioned, issue number eight was a reprint. That was actually a reprint of issue number three. Issue number seven was the only Christmas-themed issue of The Green Llama. That had a Christmas cover by Ray Boy uh, and a Christmas story with a a Scrooge-themed tale inside of that issue. And then uh, the series that I mentioned ended with issue number eight. Now, I think one of the most notable stories in the run of the Green Llama and Spark Publications was the story that appeared in issue number four. That was the April 1945 issue. This is a World War II propaganda story all the way through. The title of the story is The Green Llama Bombs Tokyo, And it's very interesting. Uh, Green Lama is sitting in his study as Dumont, and he decides that he's going to travel to the Pacific to assist in the war effort in the Pacific. And so he flies as the Green Lama to the Pacific and finds that the United States um, uh, soldiers and Marines that are stationed there are being bombed by remote control bombs that were being launched from Tokyo by the Japanese. Green Lama uh, finds a way to destroy those bombs, actually captures one. He uh, also goes up, flies into the air, and destroys some bombers from uh, the Japanese that have been launched from Tokyo. And he ultimately flies into Tokyo, 
flies to a library in Tokyo so he can learn the Japanese language, and he does that very quickly by reading a Japanese dictionary, asks someone for directions, and actually goes to the imperial palace of the emperor in Tokyo and confronts the emperor Hirohito, who is hiding on the top of a chandelier in his palace begging the Green Lama not to hurt him. The Green Lama says he's not going to hurt him, but he wants to give Hirohito a warning and tells him that the bombers from the United States will be coming soon to wreak uh, havoc upon Tokyo in retribution for all that they have done to the American forces that they have been bombing. He then flies through the roof of the palace, uh, destroying it, causing it to have a huge hole in it. And then later on, the bombs do fly upon uh, Tokyo from the uh, American bombers. So a very, very uh, typical and classic 1940s war propaganda story in the Green Lama. Of course, uh, you know, back in those days, the superheroes didn't take a a big-time active role in the war, but they probably could have ended the war had they wanted to. But that uh, is certainly a notable story in the Green Llama run that uh, appeared in the Spark Publications uh, magazine. And by the way, if you're interested in World War II propaganda, I think the cover of Green Llama number 2 is probably uh, one of the classic World War II propaganda covers that you might see. Uh, Check that out. It's the February 1945 issue featuring the Green Llama flying in the front of the cover with the planes and the trains and the tanks and the ships of the the American forces in the background. Really a cool cover by Ray Boy. Uh, At the bottom of the cover says, Forward to Victory in 1945. So really a classic World War II propaganda type cover. And uh, really a very uh, uh, a very neat run. Now, the Green Llama comic book that was published by Spark wasn't just limited to the Green Llama. There were some other features in that uh, particular run of uh, Green Llama, uh, such as the Boy Champions, Enough Rope, Lieutenant Hercules, Pop Flies, Rick Masters, and Angus McIrk. These are some very interesting uh, features. Uh, Some of them are pretty interesting. Uh, There's another one, Lieutenant Hercules, that I mentioned. uh, Really interesting uh, uh, stories to read there. But one in particular I wanted to mention, uh, that is the Boy Champions. Now, the Boy Champions started in issue number one and uh, was drawn by Al Bear with uh, writing by Joseph Green. But starting with issue number three, the art on that feature, the Boy Champions, was taken over by none other than Jerry Robinson of Batman fame. Of course, Jerry Robinson got his start drawing the Batman and the very early adventures for Bob Kane. And he continued, uh, uh, of course, in the comics field for many years. But he did write the, uh, or draw, I should say, the Boy Champions stories in issues 3 through 6 of The Green Llama. So if you want to see some mid-1940s Jerry Robinson art, You can find that in the Green Llama titles 3 through uh, 6, and I think you'll really find those enjoyable. Uh, Robinson did a really great job with that feature, and uh, I think uh, something that any fan of his would would certainly want to take a look at. Now, I've mentioned a lot about the Green Llama series that was published by Spark, and if you want to read those, there's good news. Every single one of those issues has now been reprinted in a two-volume set, published by Dark Horse. Dark Horse published the Green Llama Archive featuring the art of Mac Rayboy starting 
with volume number one, and actually it features that uh, Green Llama cover that I mentioned uh, with him flying with the tanks and the planes and so on and so forth. That was published by Dark Horse in April of 2008. Very interesting uh, introduction in that volume by Chuck Rosansky of Mile High Comics. And uh, it features the first four issues of the Green Llama. Not just the Green Llama stories, but the stories that appeared in, in their entirety in that magazine. So all the backup features that I mentioned can be found in the Green Llama uh, archives published by Dark Horse. Volume number two has another introduction by Chuck Rosansky. It was published in January of 2009 and uh, contains issues five through eight of the Green Llama magazine, including the reprinted story in number eight. I guess they wanted to be complete, and so they went ahead and uh, uh, published the, uh, uh, the reprint as well. Now, interestingly, uh, there's some other great covers in the second volume. The cover of Green Llama number five is another really great propaganda story with a soldier uh, flying on the back of Green Llama sh- shooting down a Nazi aircraft. That's the May 1945 issue. So again, some really cool uh, World War II stuff there. The uh, issue number seven cover, as I mentioned, is a Christmas cover. Uh, it's a very interesting painted cover. I think you'll enjoy that, so so check it out. The, uh, the volumes were sold by Dark Horse that I mentioned for $49.95 U.S. for each one. I'm sure they can be found online at a discount at various uh, retail sources online. But if you're interested in looking at some uh, really cool vintage Mac Rayboy art and some Jerry Robinson art, check out the Green Llama Dark Horse archives that were published in 2008 and 2009. Of course, the uh, Green Llama stories that appeared in the pages of Prize Comics are now in the public domain. Uh, I've seen a lot of those that can be downloaded from the Internet, so you might want to check those out as well. The Green Llama didn't simply disappear after the end of the 1940s. He was actually uh, reprinted also by AC Comics and some of their publications, Men of Mystery and Femforce, and uh, you can find a lot of those stories from the Prize Comics appearances there. And, of course, the Green Llama was featured in the Project Superpowers uh, series that Alex Ross was involved in uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, Certainly, uh, I remember reading a couple of those stories, and the Green Llama was revived there, so check those out if you want a more modern take on the Green Llama. But, again, the Green Llama was not one of the most notable superheroes from the Golden Age of comic books, certainly not as popular as those that we would find in the pages of DC Comics or Timely, uh, now Marvel Comics. But he was very interesting to read, a little bit unique uh, in uh, the way he approached fighting crime. And certainly there are some great World War II propaganda stories and covers there to look at as well. And as a benefit, you get the wonderful art by Mac Rayboy and some great art on backup features by Jay Robinson. So check out the Green Llama, another notable character uh, from the background of the Golden Age of comic books. And I think you'll find it very, very interesting and very enjoyable to read. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about The Green Llama, who was published in the Golden Age of Comic Books, first in Prize Comics and then in his own magazine, The Green Llama, published by Spark Publications. Don't forget to head over to the official website of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. That's goldenagecomics.org. I'm not real regular in producing the podcast like I used to be. However, I do 
frequently post on the blog about Golden Age comic books, Golden Age comic book characters. I'm uh, frequently updating the blog with reprint information about new Golden Age reprints that have come out or that are going to be coming out. So check that out if you're interested in picking up reprints of Golden Age comic book stories. Also uh, have some nice comments that have appeared on there from individuals sometimes uh, clarifying some issues that I've raised in the blog post or maybe on the podcast or just discussing items of interest about the Golden Age of comic books. So don't forget to check out the blog. It is certainly uh, regularly updated and I think you'll enjoy some of the content that's over there. Of course, on the blog, there's a complete show index of every episode of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. Also, the articles that I have written in the past for the now-defunct Comics Now magazine, they're all there, including the last two articles that I wrote that were not actually published, but I went ahead and posted them on the blog so that um, the, the entirety of those articles that I wrote in the Comics Then column would be uh, uh, available to everyone who is interested in reading those. So check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. Don't forget about the great comic book calendars that have been uh, uh, created and and published that are now for sale from Asgard Press. Go to their website, asgardpress.com, and check out those calendars. The 75th Anniversary DC Comics Vintage Superheroes Calendar, the Marvel Comics Vintage Superhero Calendars, and all the other great products that Asgard has on its website, including some wonderful sports calendars featuring college football programs from the early 1900s on into the uh, the later part, uh, uh, 1960s, 1970s, so on and so forth. Really, really cool products. I have looked at a lot of their calendars, not just the comic book calendars, but a whole bunch of them, and man, they are just fantastic. So check those out at their website. Again, that's asgardpress.com. Don't forget you can use promo code Golden Age Comics, one word, Golden Age Comics, to purchase products directly from their website, and you'll get a 10% discount. Now, these products are available on Amazon and other similar retailers online, but you don't get the discount unless you go to the Asgard Press website to purchase those products and use that promo code, Golden Age Comics. So, that's going to do it for the 62nd installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. Again, I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about the Green Llama by Crossan and Ray Boy. So, have a great week, everybody. Get out there and read some Golden Age comic books, either the originals or the reprints, and I know that you will enjoy them greatly, just like I do. So, look forward to talking to each and every one of you about Golden Age comic books in our next episode. <laughs>